this morning, we're continuing in this series of messages that we've been in that we're calling Christ the Healer. And today, if I could sum up what I want to say in a title this morning, it would be Talk Yourself Well. Talk Yourself Well. Do you know you can do that? You can talk yourself well. You can speak to dead areas in your life, unfruitful areas in your life that may seem deserted and barren at this moment in time. You can speak yourself well when you use the living Word of God to speak into those areas in your life. Those dead areas will live again. Those unfruitful areas of your life will become fruitful and abundant when you take God's Word, when you take God's promises and speak them into those areas that might seem unproductive, that might seem out of control. When you use the Word of God and speak into those areas, life Life in all of its fullness, life in all of its abundance will be the result. And by the end of this morning's message, my hope is that we'll all understand that we can talk ourselves well with the Word of God, with the promises of God. Peter, the apostle, talking about God's Word said, we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. It's time to take those exceedingly great and precious promises and begin to speak them into areas of our lives that we might be disappointed by. Speak them into areas of our lives that might long have since been relegated and given up on, and in, in, in a state of disrepair. Speak the Word of God and see His life come into those areas in our hearts and our minds and in our lives. That's my hope this morning, that when we leave this place, we will begin to do that. Take up the Word of God. Take it up and speak it out. Meditate on it in your heart and speak it out over your life. Because we don't have to settle for a substandard life. We don't have to just get by in life. When God's Word begins to fill our hearts and our minds, it goes to work. It's not a latent Word. It's living. It's active. It goes to work in our lives. And as we take it up in our mouth and we use it and we speak it out, that very word that we speak begins to have fruition in our lives and it becomes a voice of life in our hearts and health to us. Now, last Sunday, as you will remember, we dived into Proverbs chapter 4 and we picked up on just three verses from that chapter, where King Solomon, as a loving father, instructed his son about how to cherish God's wisdom, how to cherish and value God's Word for his life. Let me read it to you again this morning. Proverbs 
chapter 4 from verse 20 through to verse 22, just to remind you how King Solomon, this loving father, set out four clear steps for his son to take in order for him to receive God's richest blessing for his life. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through to verse 22. King Solomon speaking to his son. My son, he says, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all of their flesh. Wonderful words, the Word of God from the mouth of this great king, the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, to his son. You look around the room this morning, and there's lots of mum and dads here. And you know, as parents, all of us, you know, we want our children, don't we, to succeed. Any loving parent here, any loving parent just wants to see their children do well. You live for it. You instruct your children. You, you, you try to advise your children. You try to bring your children up in the best way you know how because you want to see them go higher. You want to see them achieve greater. You want their future to unfold in a wonderful way. At the heart of any loving parent is a desire just to see their children thrive. And what a joy it is, isn't it? You know, as a parent, you go through all of those growing stages with your children. And then as they begin to grow, you begin to hear aspirations and desires come from their little hearts. They want to travel the world. They don't just want to travel the world. They want to go to other worlds. They want to jump in a rocket ship. Sometimes as, as parents, we want to jump in a rocket ship and all and leave the earth. But it's wonderful to hear these wonderful aspirations that our children have. It's a joy of any parent just to hear your children as they grow up have these great dreams, bigger dreams than you've ever had, bigger aspirations and goals than you've ever dreamed of. You're not intimidated by that. We encourage it, don't we? We say, yeah, you can do that. You can go there. You can be that. You can do that. It's wonderful as a parent to see your children grow and to move towards their future with great desire and aspiration and goal and vision and for it to almost be exploding out of them, just to do something great with their life. It gives you no greater joy as a parent, as a mum or dad, to hear that. And Solomon, King Solomon, was at the point in his life with his son, where his son was readying himself to leave home. So as a good father, Solomon writes, 
31 chapters of advice, of wisdom, of instruction. And over a course of maybe weeks or months, he begins to labor with his son. He begins to instruct his son. He begins to show his son how life works, how to avoid the dangers and the pitfalls and the wrong roads in life. And over 31 chapters, he advises him on everything about life and how to be successful in conducting himself through his journey in his future as he grows in the world. And in these three verses that we have read, Solomon was advising his son about the appropriate attitude. You see, you've got to have an appropriate attitude when it comes to God's Word. It is not the Word of man. It is the Word of God. Now, many people do not believe that, unfortunately. But Solomon here was advising his son about having the appropriate attitude when it came to God's Word, God's written Word, what we know as the Bible. Have an appropriate attitude, son, when it comes to God's Word. It's not the Word of man. It must carry great weight in your life because it's wisdom and it's life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. And in order for this young man to find the richest blessings in life, he would have to place God's Word at the center of his living. That would be the only way. That would be the only way. There was no other way. That would be the only way that this young man could find life and health to all of his flesh to put God's Word at the center of his living. And last week we picked out the four clear steps and stages in Solomon's instruction to his son in how to make God's Word the center of his living. If his son was to find life and health to all of his flesh, firstly, he would have to give his attention. He would have to give his attention to God's Word. We said that we have to give. We have to give our attention to God's Word. Our attention can't be taken from us. Nobody can demand it. It can't be controlled by another. We have to, from our own volition, give our attention. It's something that has to be given by us as an act of our will. Not even God will take your attention, coerce you, or force you to give it. No, He respects your right, the sovereignty of your own will. You're created in His image after His likeness. Not even God will take that right from you because He loves you. And Solomon, knowing this, calls his son to give his attention to God's wisdom for his life. 
in order for his son to see the power of God's word at work in his life, he would have to give his attention to it, to what God had spoken, to what was written, and to the wisdom that was being passed on by his father. Then, after giving his attention to God's word, Solomon, this loving father, introduced his son to a deeper level of commitment. As the son now would also need, not only to give his attention to God's word, but to incline his ear to what God was saying. He'd have to learn to do that. Solomon, this loving father, instructing his son as he went out into life towards a great future, was saying, son, you're going to have to be selective about what you give your ear to. And this would mean making God's Word the final word of authority in his life, over and above every other voice that would vie for his attention, over, over and above every other voice that would want to work its way into this young man's mind, into this young man's heart. Solomon was saying, son, if you want to find life, God's life in your life, if you want it to unpack itself so it's health to all of your flesh, you're going to have to be selective about what you listen to. Over and above all of the voices that are vying for your attention, the voice, God's voice, God's Word has to be at the heart of your living. You have to incline your ear to it, son. You really do. You need to give your attention to it, but you need to incline your ear to it. His voice needs to be above every other voice in your life. And this would invariably mean that he would decline his ear from everything else outside of God's Word. He would, as he would incline his ear to God's Word, he would also be at the same time declining his ear to any other voice that was vying for his attention, he would have to be selective. Then after he'd given his attention and inclined his ear, Solomon then introduced his son to a third stage of greater commitment, just in the verses that we've read. Now, the tones and the language of this father was stronger and more demanding as he warned his son not to let the Word of God, the Word of God's wisdom, depart from his eyes. Give it your attention, son. Incline your ear to it, son, and don't let it depart from your eyes. Now the commitment, the call, was deepening, getting stronger, I'm sure you'll agree, as you think about this, that we live in a visually saturated world. Our vision, our minds, our imaginations 
are saturated visually more than ever on our devices and all of the various forms of media and all of the different social media and mediums that that we're involved in. I'm not against it. I'm I'm not bringing it down. But it's good to be aware that our lives, like no other time it would seem on earth, are being saturated visually. We're immersed visually in a world that's communicating constantly to us all kinds of messages. And these messages are pulling us to the left and pulling us to the right. And sometimes we we don't even know what to do. So we go to Google and we type it in to find out. Because we're just trying to find our way through and answers for some of the issues and the problems that we we face. Solomon was calling his young son to not let the Word of God depart from his view, from his vision, from his sight. Solomon saw just like we see his world saturated with many different forms of visually attractive things. He said, son, in the midst of all of this immersion that you're in visually, you need to know how to keep God's Word before your eyes. Don't let it depart. Prize it. With your eyes, son. If it's going to be life and health to you, you're going to have to make a really good quality choice. You're going to have to have the appropriate attitude and take the necessary actions towards making this Word of God the center of who you are and the life that you're living. And then finally, the fourth stage... The fourth stage in the series of steps and stages that Solomon gave to his son was for him to take personal responsibility. He says, for him to keep the Word of God in the midst of his heart. We looked at that word keep, and we saw that it was to protect something valuable. And Solomon over the 31 chapters of Proverbs and all of the other written forms of God's Word was collecting them together and saying, Son, here you go. You've got to keep it in the midst of your heart. There's lots of things that want to vie for your attention. There's lots of things that want to get into the center of your heart, but you've got to keep God's Word right at the center of who you are for it to be life to you and health to all of your flesh. All of these vital stages, if followed throughout this young man's life, would bring him life and health. That was the promise. That was the conversation that this loving father had with his son one day 
as he was preparing to leave home and head out into life with great expectations for his future. Now this morning, for the remainder of our time that we have, I want to show you how important it is to heed Solomon's instruction for your life. I felt this morning just to share with you about a time in my life, okay? So, I want to help you by just giving you a little occasion in my life and remembering back to a time when I failed to do what Solomon instructed. Really felt led to do this this morning because I believe that it might help and set free and bring new life in areas that are barren today maybe and unproductive in your life. There was a time in my life when I failed to give my attention to God's Word. I failed to incline my ear and to keep my eyes in it and to to hold it protectively in my heart. And instead of giving my attention to God's Word, my attention was being focused on other things. My mind was being caught up in, in things that were negative. My mind was being caught up in the many things that try to come flooding into our lives on any given day. Because I failed to be selective in my hearing, consequently, the Word of God was not before my eyes, and it wasn't kept in the midst of my heart. I love Jesus. I came to church every week and sang like we sing and like we sung this morning. So, there was no question about the fact that I love Jesus, I love Jesus. I sang like everybody else, and I read my Bible. So, I thought I was doing all of the right things, doing all of the right things that I knew to be right. But still, even in this period of time, I failed to give my attention to God's Word. I failed really to incline my ear and to keep it before my eyes and to, to cherish it in the midst of my heart. About 20 years or so ago, I was just thinking about it this week, it was about 20 or so years ago, one day I noticed a small spot on the left side of my face. And really, it came from nowhere. All of a sudden, this, this small spot just appeared one day on the left side of my face. It started to become sore. And over a few weeks, it became very dry. And on occasions, it started to bleed. So I decided to do what most people do. I decided to go to the doctor. Went into the doctor's surgery, sat down, 
doctor, nice gentleman, said, how can I help you this morning? I said, well, doctor, I said, this, this small spot on the left side of my face suddenly appeared a few weeks ago. And I don't know, I don't know what it is. I said, it's, it, it gets very dry and it cracks and, 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 and it bleeds sometimes. So he got his little, mic, I think it was like a little microscope that he put to his eye. He got his little microscope out, came up close and began, began to examine that spot that was on the side of my face. After looking closely at it, he said, uh, he said, oh, son, he said, I'm sorry to inform you, but, but this isn't a, an, a rodent ulcer. I'd, I'd never heard of a rodent ulcer. I said, well, what is a rodent ulcer, doctor? He said, a rodent ulcer is, a, is a, an aggressive form of skin cancer. I said, wow, doctor. I said, you're telling me that I've got skin cancer on my face. He said, yeah. He said, that's what that small spot is. And he said, a rodent ulcer is very aggressive. They spread very quickly. He said, now it's not life-threatening in that sense. But he said, if you do not treat, if we do not treat this, this rodent ulcer, he said it has the potential to spread over the, over the left side of your face. He said, that's how rapid this thing can grow. So he said, what I'm going to do, he said, I'm going to book you in for an operation to, to cut out that ulcer and then to cauterize the roots of it because the thing's got roots, he's t he tells me. And I'm getting, I'm getting really concerned now, very worried. He said, so we've got to cauterize it, we've got to cut it out, then we've got to cauterize all of the roots. And he said, they'll stitch you back up. And he said, you should be fine. It shouldn't, it shouldn't come back. So, he made a few notes. But before leaving that day, the doctor looked me in the eye. And he said, uh, he said David, he said, do you suffer with stress and anxiety? I said, no, doctor. I'm a happy person. He said, I said, I've never suffered with stress or anxiety, doctor. He said, I said, I'm, I'm quite contented, thank you. He said, oh, that's just fine, Dave. He said, I just thought I'd ask the question because usually growths like this are triggered by stress and anxiety. I said, no, doctor, no stress or anxiety here, I'm all good. He said, oh, well, that's great. Have a great day, Dave. Well, off I went from the doctor's office that day, and a few months later, I got an appointment with the hospital, went down, had surgery, and they, they took that rodent ulcer out, cauterized the, 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 the roots, stitched me back up, and everything was fine. All went well until about a year later. About 12 months later, I started to get warts. 
on my hands. And I'm looking at these warts. I'm thinking, I've never had warts. I never got warts. I had a rodent ulcer on my face. Praise God. They've sorted that out. Now I got warts on my hands. What on earth is going on? Showed Faye. I said, Faye, I'm off to the doctors. I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, I got warts on my hands now. Well, I jumped in the car, made an appointment to see the doctor. Sat in the doctor's office. He came in, pulled up my records, and he said, Oh, I remember you. It's David, isn't it? I said, Yes, it is, doctor. He said, How's the operation gone? And he looked at the looked at the left side of my face to see where they'd taken out the rodent ulcer. Oh, they've done a splendid job, he said. I said, Yes, good job, doctor. He said, Well, how can I help you today, son? I said, well, doctor, I said, um, I got these warts on my hands. He said, oh. He said, right. He said, let me have a look at them. He pulled his little magnifying glass out again, put it to his eye, looked at the warts. He said, oh, son, he said, we can treat these easy. He said, no problem. He said, uh, he said I'll write you out a prescription for some, some cream. He said, you just apply the, the cream to the warts. He said, it'll sort it all out. No problem. He said, give it a week or two. He said, you won't have any warts there. Wrote the prescription out. I went to the chemist, did what the doctor said, put the cream on the warts. Hey, presto. Week or two, the warts were gone. Absolutely fantastic. Awesome. Wonderful. Off I went, continuing on in life, happy, you know, no stress, I thought. No anxiety. Life is good. Happy days. Until about six months later, I started to develop a skin condition on my eyelids. And suddenly, this red rash would just flare up on my eyelids. And, and I had no idea what it was. And it was... It was very dry, and it used to kind of get so sore that there was kind of lesions that would bleed. And it was just really, really itchy and irritating. Went to Faye. I always go to Faye before the doctor. She's a wonderful wife. And I said, my God, Faye, I got a skin condition on my eyes. I don't know what it is. It's itching. It's, it's bleeding. It's, it's cracking. It really hurts. It's really irritating. I'm going to see the doctor. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to the doctor. So, went into the doctor's surgery, into his little office there. Well, of course, me and the doctor were on, on good terms now. We knew each other well. We got on like a house on fire. I sat down. I said, David, it's good to see you. I said, thank you, doctor. It's good to see you too. He said, uh, he said how can I help you? He said, we've helped you with the rodent ulcer. That's gone well, I see. No more ulcers on your face. He said, how's the warts doing? I said, well, doctor, I said, I applied the cream. They've all gone. 
Hey, presto, just as you said, fantastic. He said, brilliant, David. He said, well, how can I help you this morning? I said, well, doctor. I said, I said, this rash has just flared up and come suddenly on my eyes. And, he, and I said, I don't know where, I don't know why, and I don't know where it's come from. I've never had a rash like this on my body, but it's, it's, it's really itchy, it hurts, and sometimes there's little lesions that bleed. He said, oh, David. He said, let me have a look. He pulled his little magnifying glass out, came up close, had a little look. And he said, oh, Dave, he said, looking at this, he said, this is a severe form of eczema. My goodness me. I've had skin cancer. I've had warts. And now I've got a severe form of eczema. What on earth is going on? I said, well, doctor, I said, I, I said I've never had eczema. I said, I, I can't understand. I said, what, 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 what's happening? He said, well, son, he said, this is a severe form of eczema. He said, and we don't have a cure for it. He said, but, he said, I can give you some very strong steroid cream to manage it, to help you with the pain and the irritation. He said, you'll, he said, you'll be on this cream for the rest of your life. He said, you're going to have to take this for the rest of your life. You're going to have to apply it for the rest of your life because this form of eczema just doesn't go away. It's... It's just something you're going to have to live with and manage. He said, let me write out a prescription for you. He said, you can go and pick it up at the chemist. And when you need some more, he said, the tube will last you for a while. He said, when you need some more, just come back and see me. He said, I'll write you a new prescription and it can be a repeat, a repeat process. Well, he wrote the, the prescription out. I was just about to leave and he asked a little question again. He said, David. I said, yes, doctor. I said, before you leave, he said, uh, do you struggle with stress or anxiety? I said, no, doctor. Not me. I said, I'm not stressed. I'm not anxious, doctor. All is well. All is good. He said, oh, that's okay, Dave. He said, that's fine. He said, it's just seen a little pattern developing over the, over the time that we've been together. Firstly, you had a rodent ulcer, then you had some warts on your hand, now you've got a, a severe form of eczema on your skin. Just wondered if, you know, you're an anxious person or under stress. I said, no, doctor. I said, I'm all good. He said, that's fine, Dave. He said, I was just asking because sometimes the cause of these issues that you've had in your body can be down to anxiety and stress. But if there's no stress and there's no anxiety, have a good day, Dave. Have a good day. Off I went. Had a good day. 
got the cream from the doctor, uh, from, from the chemist that the doctor had prescribed and began to apply it. Then for the next eight years, I didn't have to go back to the doctor, praise God. I just had to apply the cream. Every time it flared up, every time it got sore, I just had to manage the condition. Just manage it. Just get by with it. And that's what I did for eight years. Eight long years. Now, I prayed over that time. I prayed. I said, Lord, I've got this skin condition over my eyes. It hurts. It's painful. It's aggressive. And it's, it's irritating. Please, will you heal me? I prayed lots of times. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But that was okay. Because I had the cream. So I just applied it and managed, managed what I could with it. Then one Tuesday morning, never forget it, one Tuesday morning I was in my office and I looked down on my desk and found a quote that I'd written a number of years before under a pile of paper. If you come into my office, you look at my desk, you will see lots of piles of paper. They look organized, but they're not. And don't go in my filing cabinets, because you don't want to know what you'll find in them. You won't find files. You'll find angle grinders, hammers, and all other kinds of tools. But I looked down on my desk, and I found a quote that I'd written down a number of years before, a quote by a great preacher and pastor called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, and I wrote this down years before. He said, Have you realized yet that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you listen to yourself more than you speak to yourself? Have you realized yet? Have you woke up to the fact yet that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you listen to yourself more than you speak to yourself? And when I read that, I thought, wow! That's really interesting, without realizing the relevance that it would have in my life. I read it. I thought, God, that's a great quote. That's a great quote to tell people about. Well, I didn't need to tell anybody about it. I needed to tell myself about it. It's a great quote. And I looked at it, and I read it, and I reread it. But at that point, on that Tuesday morning, I didn't realize the relevance of it in my life. So, went home, 
as normal. That night, Faye was going to be out with the musicians and the singers practicing, so I was home alone. This was before our children were born. I was home alone, sat on the bed, and um, I thought, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm just going to go on the internet and just flick around and see if I can find maybe, you know, a sermon that I can listen to of somebody preaching. That's what preachers do and pastors do in their spare time. That's what they do. Yeah, I want to refresh myself. I want to listen to a voice outside of the circle that I'm in. So, I just started, as you do, scouting around on the internet. And I came upon this pastor that was the other side of the world. If I mentioned his name, you wouldn't even know who it is. I thought, oh, last time I listened to him. Now, this was, the o- this was only the second time that I was going to listen to this pastor. Last time I listened to him was two years ago. This was the second time. I thought, do you know what? I'll click on and listen to one of his sermons. Well, clicked on and all of his sermons came up. And just randomly, I just went, amidst maybe a few hundred sermons, I just randomly clicked on one. And as I clicked it, It was a short introduction, and then the first words out of this pastor's mouth from the other side of the world was the very quote that I'd read that morning by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Have you realized yet that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you listen to yourself more than you speak to yourself? When I heard that, I didn't have to listen to any more sermon. Clicked off. I sat on the bed. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking directly to me. It was no coincidence. It was no coincidence. And what the Lord was calling me to do now What the Holy Spirit was calling me to do was much like what Solomon did with his son. You've got to incline your ear, son. You've got to incline your ear. You've got to give your attention to my sayings. You've got to incline your ear to my words. You have to not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they will be life and health to you, to all of your flesh. It was a very special moment in my life when I knew that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, had come into my midst, and He began to teach. He began to guide. He began to lead me that night in how to discern what was right and what was wrong in relation to His Word for 
my life. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them, Dave, in the midst of your heart, for they will be life to you and health to all your flesh. From that night, from that night, I started to examine the conversation that I was having with myself on a continual basis. You see, you're having a conversation with yourself on a continual basis. And therefore, if you are, which you are, having a conversation with yourself on a continual basis, shouldn't you examine the content of that conversation? Well, when I started to examine the content of the conversation that I was listening to, I discovered it wasn't a very good one. It wasn't a good one at all. It was self-condemning, fear-filled. It was critical, anxious, and worrying. And as I took the Word of God privately in my own heart, and I began to address the content of that conversation, rather than listening to it now, but speaking to it, changes, changes, immediately started to take place. I started to take the Word of God and apply it correctively to that voice inside that I had been listening to. I started to bring God's Word in and make it the center of my living. I began to speak it into those dead areas of my life, those unfruitful places, those places that were unproductive. I began to take the Word of God into those areas and bring correction with the living Word of God. And when the living Word of God comes into any dead area of your life, when the living Word, the promises of God, comes into any unfruitful, unproductive area of your life, life and health will result. Not to some of your flesh, but, but Solomon said to all of your flesh. Not just to some of it. The Word of God, when it begins to work in our hearts, brings life and health to all of our flesh. It's a wonderful experience to discover the power of God's Word working in your heart, working in your mind, working in your physical body. Within three days, listen, within three days, an eight-year skin condition that couldn't be cured by steroid cream. Doctor did his best. I thank God for the doctor. Good friend. Thank God for the doctor. But an eight-year skin condition over my eyes that, that could not be cured within three days of taking the living Word of God and applying it and directing it in a corrective way to that negative voice of self brought instantaneous healing, recovery. Within three days, I, I, I know we say, believe, believe, believe. I couldn't believe it, church. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Within three days, that condition went, and it's never come back. It's never come back. Praise God. 
Listen, now this, I'm not saying that this is the only way to get healed. The wonderful thing is, there's loads of ways that God uses. There's, there's more ways than we can ever imagine that God will heal our bodies. But this was just one way in my life in which God came by the power of the Holy Spirit and His living Word to bring life and health into, into my flesh. That night, the Holy Spirit directed me in talking myself well. Talk yourself well. Talk yourself whole. Well, you can't do that with your own words or anybody else's word, but if you will take the living Word of God that cannot return to him void without accomplishing that for which he has set it, if you will take that Word, you, if you will... If, if you will give your attention to it, incline your ear to it, set it before your eyes and keep it in the midst of your heart, it will go to work. It will go to work. There is no, no doubt at all. When God came to a barren, chaotic mass in Genesis 1 that we know as the earth, it was formless and void. What did He do? He spoke. That's what He did. He spoke to that void. He spoke to that uncreated mass. He spoke to that chaos. And His living Word brought life and beauty and creation. Do you know the Word of God is as powerful in your mouth as it is in God's mouth? Because it's God's Word. That's why it's as powerful if believed and activated by faith. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in about two hours. I'm joking. We'll go for three today. Listen, I shared that story with you, and I know it was, it was a considerable amount of time, but I really felt this morning that it might help somebody here it might help somebody that has been struggling for years, like I struggled. I struggled for eight years. You see, stress and anxiety are a conversation. I didn't realize it when the doctor was asking me. Stress and anxiety, they're a conversation that you have to correct with the Word of God. I want to encourage you. Why don't you take up the promises of God's Word? You may never have done this before. But why don't you do it? Just, you know, it's a bit hard to, re to memorize the entire book. Right? But just take one line. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, that's an easy one to remember. The Lord is my shepherd. Just say that a thousand times a day and see how you feel at the end of it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Just, just say that over and over again. It doesn't matter what you take up. I guarantee, I guarantee that that living word will work itself in your heart, go through your emotions, lift you up, do you good, fill your heart and your mind with good things, and before you know it, you'll become an addict. 
before you know it, you'll want to meditate on it because you'll find the power and the life within it that you'll be drawn back to more. And you'll have to, you'll, you'll have to blow the dust off that little book. And you'll have to open it and think, I need my fix today. Because it's life to those who find it. And health to all of their flesh. Next week, we're going to just look a little bit more into this. Talk yourself well. This subject within this series of Christ the healer. But just before I pray this morning, maybe some of you have been listening, listening to that conversation within yourself because you didn't think you could speak up and speak back to it. So like me, you just listened. You just, it's been like you've sat down in the chair on the inside and that voice in all of its harsh tones, has beat you up year after year. And it's caused all kinds of conditions within you and some without. Not in every case, but, but sometimes without as well. And it's beat you up. Sometimes it's lifted you up. And sometimes, more often than not, it's pulled you down. Some may feel guilty this morning. Some may be bound by depression. I've had a bit of that. Some may be bound by depression, shame, and stress. Or it could be worry and fear, bitterness, jealousy. All of these things, you see, are nurtured. That's the awful thing. That's the awful thing. Who in their right mind wants to feel guilty? Who in their right mind wants to feel depressed? Who in their right mind wants to feel ashamed? Now, I felt them all, right? I felt them all. Who in their right mind would want to be fearful and crippled on the inside? Been there, done that. Who would want it? Nobody in their right mind would want to live like that. But what I found is when I really, really, truly take a look at how these things have grown in my life, I've had to nurture them. I've had to grow them. I, with my own hands, have had to do the devil's work. I tell you, now it's time. It's time not to waste any time anymore. Don't waste your life. Your life is too precious to be worried. Your life is too precious to be anxious. Your life it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. It's time to stop feeling ashamed about things that you can't change. It's time to stop feeling depressed. It's time to start speaking to yourself instead of listening to yourself. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying when I say this, Dave, be happy today. Be, be happy. I come up. It's not going to work. No, 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 no. It's not, that is not going to do it. I'm telling you. You get the living word of God. You give it your attention. You incline your ear to it. You do not let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. It will be life and health. 
to all of your flesh. Let's stop nurturing and growing and feeding anything that is outside of God's plan and purpose for our lives. Amen. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray right now. Excuse me. And as I do, I'm going to read to you from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, because this is a wonderful description of how God's Word operates in our lives when, when we receive it and believe it. You can nullify this by unbelief. We don't want to do that. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's the action. That's the work of God's living Word in our lives when we believe it and apply it. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for being so kind, for being so loving, for being a father. You see all of the things that come our way. You see all of the distractions and all of the issues that suddenly arrive on our doorstep in life. We get condemned. We feel guilty. We feel abandoned. We feel lost. And this inner conversation that very often happens on a continual basis that goes unexamined. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would awaken your living word, your power within us, your power within us, Jesus, to stand up and correctively deal with that conversation. Whether it's guilt, whether it's fear, whether it's depression, prolonged depression, oppression, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, we pray that the living Word of God would be like a sword and it would go to work surgically, surgically in our hearts. It would cut out the worry. It would cut out the pain. It would cut out the sorrow and the bitterness and the depression and the anger that we might be able to say, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. As we take your word, as we take your word as your people, we want to talk ourselves well. Guide us and lead us and teach us what little line, what little verse we should take up and make ours. We ask this as your people. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, listen, 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 listen. You've been sat long enough now. Let's stand up. Why don't we give God a big round of applause, a shout of praise, and we're going to sing. Come on, let's give Him praise.
in this place. We love you, Jesus. We honor you and thank you. Praise you. Come on, church. Lift your voice. Give him praise. Yeah, just like Pastor Dave said, we have to talk, talk well to ourselves. Why don't we raise a hallelujah together corporately in the church and say fear has no place in our heart. Amen. Let's do it.
the house of God where we can be encouraged and strengthened by God's word. You know, and for each of us today, I'm sure listening to Dave and hearing what he's spoken from can be an encouragement to us. Because do you know what? The treasure is in the word of God, isn't it? He's got everything pertaining to our life and godliness is found in the word of God. And I love that there's keys that we can unlock for our lives. And you know, sometimes where you feel like you've been trying a door for ages and you just can't get through, that was a key today. That was a key for each one of us to really think about, what am I speaking to myself? What am I listening to? Actually, is what my conversation is with myself, is it lined up with the Word of God? And if it's not lined up with the Word of God, then I've got to reject the conversation. I've just got to stop it. I've got to stop listening to it. And I've got to choose to fill my conversation with God's Word about my life because that is the thing that is going to help us. What a beautiful key that we've been given today. Meditate on that this week. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where do I need to be bringing your word into a situation? You may not even realize, just like Dave, you know, he loved Jesus. He was reading the word, but actually it was just a conversation he was having on those off moments where actually was not the way that God would want him to be thinking and speaking to himself. And that goes for all of us. All of us, we can examine everything that we listen to. And I'm sure all of us can say, actually, yeah, this is not lining up to the word of God in this area of my life. Therefore, I'm going to stop speaking to myself in that way. And I'm going to speak God's word into the situation. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, you may be here today. Maybe you're watching online. And this is all new to you. You know, you feel like you've kind of gone through life quite well up until this point. But you've come to a decision, you've come to a realization either today or maybe it's been happening for a few weeks, maybe a few months, where you just know that what you've got isn't it. It's not all of it. And you know that there's something missing. You know that there's a lot of happiness in your life. You've been surrounded by great people. You love your family. You love what you do. But at the same time, you don't feel whole and complete. Can I just say to you today, if you find yourself knowing that something's not has been missing, the thing that's been missing is that relationship with Jesus. Because the thing is, God created you and I. And he is our father. And like Dave said, he will never force himself on us to have a relationship. But instead, his invitation is for us to accept him. And there's nothing more that God wants for our lives, for each one of us, than to have a relationship with us to have a relationship. And I love that. I love that every day I wake up with an assurance in my heart that I can speak openly with the creator of the universe, that I can offload my concerns, that I can thank him for giving me life. And today you may be here and you say, do you know what? I need that relationship. The wonderful thing about God is that there's not a list of criteria to find, in order to find him. All he simply does is said, say, believe in me. 
And you may be here today and say, do you know what? I want to make a decision to believe in what Jesus has done for me. I'm fed up of doing everything on my own. I want the creator of the universe to be a part of my everyday life. If that's you in this place or watching online today, why don't you ask Jesus into your heart today simply by repeating this simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need your strength to help me through each day. I need your forgiveness in my life. Thank you that you love me so much that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins and to bring me into a great relationship with you that's filled with wonderful things. I accept that today for my life and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, I'm telling you, you have made the best decision of your life. And on your way out, we would love to gift you with a Bible and also a magazine filled with stories of people who have made the same decision as you and seen God do amazing things in their lives as well. So please feel free to pick um, one of those up and a Bible on your way out.